guys. Welcome to episode 7 of the Renegade Movement Performance Podcast. I'm Kyle. And I'm Lex. And today we have Lauren Ginsberg as a special guest on this episode. Um, she is the founder and owner of SportsFit Physical Therapy. And Lauren, go ahead and uh, feel free to talk about yourself a little bit. All right. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so I am a physical therapist and I graduated a little over 10, maybe like 10 and a half years ago from PT school. I went to Springfield College in Massachusetts. And I have actually known I wanted to be a physical therapist since I was probably in like sixth or seventh grade. I did gymnastics for pretty much all of my childhood. I started at age two all the way up until my junior year of college. And I was the gymnast that was always injured. So I think my first bout as a patient in physical therapy was in middle school. And I thought it was really cool. I liked my physical therapist and how she knew how to help me. And I was like, hey, I think I want to learn how to help myself and to help others. Um, So yeah, pretty rare to know what I wanted to do that early. But I also think it's pretty cool that I still love what I do, you know, 10 and a half years into my career. And I can't imagine doing anything else. Um, Worked for a traditional private practice outpatient physical therapy clinic right out of school. Um, Was there for about five years. And then went to a physician-owned outpatient practice for the last five years and learned a lot from both settings and just realized that it actually, even though I loved what I was doing, I didn't feel like I could help my patients 100% of what they needed and what they deserved because of the limitations put on them by their health insurance. So back in May of last year, I decided to quit my job and open up my own uh, cash-based PT practice, uh, which was a very scary jump, but I uh, couldn't be happier with how it's turned out for the past 10, 11 months now. Um, I am located inside of a CrossFit gym. Um, It's the CrossFit gym that I had been attending for the last like seven or eight years. Um, I just have a small room inside of the, the gym there, and I pretty much treat a little bit of everything, but pretty much everyone is active and wants to get back to doing something active. Um, which is the type of patients and clients that I really enjoy working with. So awesome. You're in multiple CrossFit gyms, right? Um, so technically I'm in, my, my main location is inside of CrossFit Wicked in Milton, Massachusetts. Um, they're usually Monday through Thursday every week. Um, I have a satellite office in Beverly, which is in a gym called Lift Positive, um, which is not a CrossFit gym. It's small group personal training. Um, and I have a room inside of there that I'm in every other week. And then I sometimes I go into Somerville, like close to Boston, and treat out of RX Strength, which I usually work mostly with the uh, weightlifting club there. But I do treat some of the trainers and, and coaches in the regular strength gym in there as well. Awesome. Yeah. And would you say that the majority of your clients or patients are CrossFitters? or? Um, I mean, majority are CrossFitters or weightlifters. Um but I, the longer I've been in business, the more word of mouth gets out. So, I'll, you know, I treat a lot of other people's you know, family members and, you know, different runners or um, like I've got a couple of patients training for the Boston Marathon right now. Um, so a little bit, a little bit of everything, but yeah, definitely majority is CrossFit and, and weightlifting. That's awesome. Um, how do you, you know, being a CrossFitter yourself and, and a gymnast, how do you identify with that and how does it help you? treat your patients right now? Yeah. I mean, I think just having the personal background automatically 
I think people want to see me more than the average physical therapist just because I, they know that I know exactly what they're doing. Um, and that they also know that I don't want to keep them out of the gym completely. And I can give them exact modifications for different movements so that they can still join into the wad. Um, and I think that connection right off the bat really helps develop a relationship and in, in a trust with the patients. And, and then I also just feel like I can give them such a more detailed plan and exercises that really get them back to the exact movements they're going to be doing instead of it being a very generalized home exercise program. Um, and I think that comes into to play a lot for CrossFit and weightlifting, but also I treat a lot of gymnasts. And I just think that gymnastics more than anything, having a PT that was a gymnast or a gymnastics coach is just huge um, because it's such a different sport than any other sport that it really, having that background is just crucial. Now, do the majority of your clients or patients come to you with some kind of condition, you know, they're in pain and they need to rehab back to something, or do some people come to you for just performance training? Um, I mean, if I had to categorize, majority would have some sort of ache or pain or injury, I mean, of, of all varying different extents. I mean, I have some patients who are post-surgical, and then I have some people who are just, they tweaked their calf yesterday, or some people are coming in with 10 years of back pain. Um, I think that's fairly common in the world of physical therapy, regardless of cash or insurance, is that usually people have something that is holding them back from what they want to do, and that's why they seek me out in the first place. But the longer that I work with with the patient, I think they start to realize that they can use me as more of a, a maintenance or performance uh, tool as well. So I have some patients who have stayed on um, where they use me like once a month just to stay flexible or stay um, healthy so that they prevent something from happening because they know they don't want to miss any time in the gym. So, so a little bit of both. But I think initially most people are seeking me out because of an injury or a pain that they've been having. I feel like that's something that's super common because whenever we're, uh, we were at home at our box, it was like someone would say that they had an ache or a pain and they went to, you know, whatever practitioner they went to. And they would say that they always said to stop doing CrossFit. So mm-hmm. we always tried to say, you know, that's not necessarily the answer. So have you tried to, or had you, have you worked with people that have been to other practitioners and they had get, been given the advice, you know, stop doing CrossFit. Um, and how has that gone for you? Uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, depending on the person that a lot of people have had physical therapy in their past at some point, or even if it wasn't a PT, you know, their doctor telling them to to stop and that CrossFit's bad. Um, and I just think a lot of that just comes from the clinician not knowing the sport of CrossFit. They see what's on TV for the elite CrossFitters, or they see some crazy Facebook or YouTube video of someone you know, rounding their back on a deadlift and getting injured or something. But um, I think that CrossFit is no more dangerous than any other sport or type of, um, you know, working out without instruction. So I, I think that people just get afraid and say, don't do it at all. Um, and also if they don't have a background in it themselves, they probably don't know how to say, okay, well, you know, if, if overhead stuff hurts your shoulder, you can still do these 30 other different movements that don't require anything overhead. So you can still go into the gym and get a workout. Um, so, so yeah, I think that's why I also am now becoming the, the first line of defense for these people who have injuries, instead of them going to see a doctor or going to see somebody else first, they'll come right to me now because they know that I'm not going to tell them to stop and I can really work with their, their 
CrossFit gym coach or owner and, and give them a specific plan on what they can still do to still be a part of the community. Because when it comes to injuries and pain, the mental aspect is just such a big part of it as well. So if they can keep within their community, at least they can stay, um, you know, mentally focused and not feel like they're missing out on everything um, while they're injured. Yeah. Um, two things off of that. So I just saw a statistic. It was like 6% or less of patients going to their PCPs are referred to physical therapy for musculoskeletal pains. So uh, when we can insert ourselves as physical therapists anywhere in, you know, whether it's a sports performance world, like uh, we are involved in and you are involved in, obviously, or it's literally anywhere else. I mean, if we can kind of get physical therapy on the front line, that's just shown to decrease opioid use and all kinds of like chronic pain. So statistically, that's validated. Also statistically, talking about uh, the whole don't do it because CrossFit's dangerous thing that kind of is still persistent. There are well-established studies that demonstrate that the per thousand hours of, of training in CrossFit is comparable to other weightlifting sports and is less than uh, most contact sports like football and soccer and stuff. So it's just interesting that that that's persistent within the medical realm. Now, yeah. as far as treating uh, your patients goes, uh, we know that you do some cool manual therapy things, uh, such as dry needling. Talk to us about how that fits into your care plans. So I got certified in dry needling um, five and a half years ago through Kineticor. Um, I didn't know a ton about it before I went out to DC to get take my first course. But um, after after taking the first course, I came back into the CrossFit gym. And at the time, I was still working um, at my other job. And I was just like, hey, I need to practice this skill. Anybody want to volunteer? So I actually just set up a treatment table in the, you know, the corner of the CrossFit gym and started dry needling people. And I think I was just as blown away as the people who I would, was needling with the results at what we were getting from a mobility standpoint and decreasing people's pain, improving people's function. Um, so I got hooked pretty, pretty quickly with, with the results and decided to sign up for three more courses through Kineticor. So I took all four of their courses, um, probably in the next like year and a half, I took all those courses. Um, and with that kind of amount of education and the results I was seeing with patients, um, it really became a huge staple in my practice. So I don't, I wouldn't say I need a hundred percent of my patients because some people just aren't appropriate or afraid of needles, or I treat a lot of you know, really young eight, nine-year-old gymnasts. Um, so I'm not sticking needles in them, but those people set aside, I, I would say I probably needle like 85, 90% of my patients, um, to some extent, um, just because it seems to work faster and better and the results last longer. Um, so, you know, if the patient's up for it, we'll do a little bit of dry needling and then follow that up with some corrective exercises, um, cause I always say, you know, I can, I can make a change on the table, but in order for that change to stick, you know, the patient needs to do those kind of corrective stretches and exercises to, to keep that new position that we got the muscle in. Right. Just like any kind of manual therapy, you're opening a window and then get the change to be a little bit more permanent rather than temporary by moving within that new window. Um, exactly. so you're a needle, you're a needle ninja, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of my thing. <laughs> um, that's awesome. So as far as uh, the dry needling is concerned, a lot of people, I think, have questions about it. And they're like, well, wait a minute, you're a physical therapist. You can use needles. I thought that was only for acupuncturists. Uh, how would you mm -hmm. answer that question? 
I get that all the time. I mean, when a patient comes in and I first bring up dry needling, usually, you know, they'll say, oh, is that acupuncture? Or, oh, yeah, I've had acupuncture, so I know. Um, And obviously, there's similarities. I mean, some PTs will tell you, oh, no, there's nothing the same about it. And I mean, we're using the same exact needle. So right off the bat, you know, it's the same exact tool that we're using. Um, But I always say, like, the why behind what we're doing is the is the biggest difference. Um, I don't know a ton about acupuncture, so I'm, you know, really not going to claim to, to be any sort of expert about acupuncture. Um, but you know, from what I understand, they're really trying to manipulate the energy and the, the flow within their body, um, where I am going after certain trigger points to stimulate muscles, um, around a specific area. So, you know, for example, someone's having neck pain or having trouble moving their neck around and their upper traps are tight, I am going to physically put my hands on them, palpate where that trigger point is in the upper trap, put the needle into that trigger point, elicit a twitch response where the the muscle will actually contract and then relax. Um, I usually couple that with a little bit of electrical stimulation and then take the needle out. And then you can immediately feel less tension in that upper trap right after. Um, And the patient will notice that they can move their neck a little bit better because the trap isn't restricting their range of motion anymore. yeah, I'm not going to be putting that needle, you know, in their ear or their forehead or, you know, in their lower <laughs> extremity to affect their neck. Like I'm going directly after the, the problem area um, that I found based on, you know, my evaluation ahead of time. Um, so mostly it's, it's muscle trigger points um, or sometimes I'll stimulate a, a nerve um, or the, the segment that is in the spine that innervates the muscle that I'm going after that has the dysfunction. That's awesome. Uh, when you talk about your eval, what does your typical eval look like when you have someone come in for their first time or their second time? <laughs> um, I mean, I would say it's, it doesn't differ that much to what I was doing in, um, in my other jobs, other than the fact that I have that full hour with the patient one-on-one. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's really important to hear their story and to be a really good listener for that first session. You know, why, why are they coming in? Um, what have they already tried? Like, have they already been to another physical therapist or a doctor or a chiropractor or an acupuncturist? And, um, and you know, what do they want from me? What are their goals? What do they want to get back to? How can I help them? Um, so I think that's a huge piece is just giving them the time to, to tell you their story. Um, and then from there, I'll do an exam and I just make sure it's, it's both just objective measures, but also really functional. So if they're telling me, that they have pain with pull-ups, like, hey, let's walk out into the gym and let's see what your pull-ups look like, um, you know, or we'll grab a barbell and we'll and we'll do some squatting or a snatch or something so that we can actually see um, right off the bat, you know, something might jump out of like, oh, well, you know, this this technique is is a problem. So if we can clean their technique up, then maybe their shoulder pain could go away right away. Um, and I think that's awesome that I'm in that setting that I can do that because. Um, when I was in the clinic before, it's not like I had a pull-up rig and a barbell um, right in the same room. So I think that's probably the biggest way it differs is being able to have the equipment and the room and the space to do those kind of things. Yeah, I mean, as physical therapists, I think that's one of the best things we can offer. I totally agree. There are some times where I'll have an hour to do an eval and 45 minutes plus of that is spent just talking and listening to mm-hmm listening mostly right the, to the patient mm-hmm. in front of you and I think that's missed a lot and other aspects of the healthcare field and why PTs have so much to offer mm-hmm. uh, especially when you are a sports performance physical therapist like you are and are like you said on site not only ready to listen but 
ready to watch and see exactly what they're doing. Plus, you have the background of you're there doing it too, so you know exactly what that entails. So I think yeah, you know that that's just you can't put a value to that. Um, right now, as far as the women's health program or course that you went to, uh, Tracy shares program there. Talk to us about kind of some things you learned there and your experience with it. And Yeah, so I was just out in Denver, Colorado last weekend taking Anthony Lowe's, uh, the female athlete. And I had signed up for that course because of actually originally last year in June, I took Shante Cofield's Moving with the Maestro course. And mm-hmm. when I was there, I had um, two of the other PTs that were sitting next to me that I partnered up with all weekend were women's health specialists. And I knew nothing about it. And we started partnering up and doing different tests that Shantae had us doing. And they both started picking up on some things on myself um, that I never uh, realized were an actual problem. So that kind of piqued my interest in learning more about that aspect of physical therapy. I'm like, all right, I know nothing about it. I really don't remember learning much about it in PT school. Um, So I started looking into what courses I could take. And this one had kind of popped up after talking to a bunch of different people that it was a really great course. So um, actually another PT out in Boston that took the course, uh, Jackie, uh, she was like, yeah, I really want to take that course too. So we decided to fly out to Denver together to uh, take this course. And it was a really great, great course. It was super interactive. Um, It was all uh, female PTs and a couple of trainers that were attending the course. I think there was about like 32, 33 people that had taken the course. Um, And a lot of which were actually internal women's health PTs. So not only was I learning from the the instructor, Anthony, but we actually really learned a lot from each other too, just because I didn't have any background in that. And like 30 people did that was their specialty so um we kind of all collaborated and we really got up and and learned how to both evaluate and screen for pelvic floor issues and um diastasis and and different um problems as well as how do you progress that patient and one of the big take-homes was um Anthony was just saying that like we can't just treat a patient laying down on the table because they have a weak core after having a baby. Like we have to get them up. Like they're picking up their kid. They're picking up their kid in their car seat. That weighs a lot. They're then going up and down the stairs in and out of the car. So if they're doing that anyway, how are we just having them lay on the table and do like an abdominal contraction? Um, So kind of like not being afraid to uh, work these patients out and um, not just starting with super, super basic things, um, which I thought was really cool. And uh and different, you know, things like how do we progress someone back to double unders or box jumps if they're having urinary incontinence um, and progressing them back to being able to do that if that's their goal. Uh, I think so many people are afraid and just say, oh, well, don't do it. Or they don't know enough to progress them back. And this was a really cool course on learning how to do that. Yeah, I feel like that's something that we we actually talked about it prior in one of our other episodes, because, you know, you always hear I had a baby, so I'm going to pee when I do X, Y, and Z. And it's super, mm-hmm. super, it's just normal for, for them. And it's one of those places where we found ourselves kind of not prepared to do the full education and assessment if we needed to. So that's why we mm-hmm. were going to do, the, or we are doing the Herman and Wallace course in Boston in um, April. I think Jackie's doing that one too. Yeah, she is. Yeah. So we're we were kind of thinking on the same line as you, like we just want to be able to have some knowledge in that, in that realm so that we can help 
more people um, mm-hmm. and get back to doing what they want to do. Well, and yeah. the thing is, go ahead, Lauren. Oh, I was just going to say, and like, Anthony himself is not an internal physical therapist. And he was just saying that even if you're not just having those connections of someone who is, so you can say when you're evaluating someone who has those issues, if there's something that you can't do, but you want to know the information is like refer out and have someone else do that internal exam and then, you know, communicate with them. And, and then, you know, they can send them back to you and then you can progress them in the gym. Um, Especially even if you're not a physical therapist and you're a trainer, you know, you can't do any of that. So it's, it's a lot about collaboration too, which I think is so important, especially when you're talking about CrossFit coaches and um, or coaches of any sport. Like if you don't know that information, like pair up with a PT that does and, and teamwork to get that, you know, patient or athlete back to doing what they want to do safely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, I was going to say it's a very impactful area because beyond, you know, bowel, bladder, con- con- uh, continent, sorry, and, you know, performing, well without leaking and stuff like that which is a very common and uh kind of more publicly talked about topic nowadays which is a good thing but beyond that uh it's very impactful if we can get this area working better because you know it it does mean so much to people to be able to do um, sexual function and to be able to pressurize well right and so that's another thing like Mm. we talk about leaking and stuff yes but beyond leaking urinary fluid you might also be leaking pressure right often mm-hmm. and so um if that pressure is just blowing out the bottom yeah we see urinary incontinence but also that means that you're losing the ability to stabilize to create a nice rigid core and to be able to transmit force through that in order to you know hit a pr on a snatch or to uh i don't know improve like your friend time or something um yeah, and but the point being it's performance but- Right. And selfishly, that's why I got interested in it to begin with was to help myself. Because I'm like, all right, I do all this core exercise, I feel like I'm really strong. But yet, you know, I might collapse on a really heavy clean, um, and then fail the lift because of that. And it's like, all right, what else can I do that I'm not doing to get better at lifting because I am a competitive weightlifter. Um, So when I was at Shante's course, and the two PTs I was paired up with were saying, oh, well, you're not engaging your abs right and your pelvic floor is too tight and your diaphragm isn't really expanding your rib cage. And I was like, oh, so it's not just planks and sit-ups, right? (laughs) um, (laughs) So I I thought I was doing everything, um, everything right. And there was this whole piece that I was missing. And, you know, I personally don't have any problems with any leaking. um, But there are women out there who have not had a baby who are leaking. um, Mm -hmm. So I think that was the part that was really eye-opening and got piqued my interest um, personally, because I have not had a child, so I did, have not gone through pregnancy and childbirth. Um, but I didn't realize that people like myself could have problems like that. And I was like, oh, interesting. I need to know more. <laughs> have you found that your lifts have gotten better since you returned from the course? You beat me to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I've only lifted a couple of times since then. Um, I don't know if I would say better, but definitely different, which I think is a sign of that they'll probably get better. Um, mm-hmm. Anthony spent some time with me during lunch. One of the the days I got to do some lifting in front of him and he gave me some different strategies on, um, bracing and breathing and position more so through my rib cage and torso. And, um, right away, I actually saw some, some cool changes. And then I tried to implement those last week when I came home. And I think anytime you try to change something, other things get a little worse at first. So I wouldn't say like, oh, wow, I crushed it in the gym this week. But with that said, I had some new things that I could try that I'm really excited to practice to then I think it'll really help me in the long run. So 
um, I'm really excited that um, that I have some of those things to work on and try. And that Anthony spent so much time with me looking at my lifts on video and then in person. And um, and it was a cool different perspective than you typically get from like a weightlifting coach. So. And you must have appreciated the one-on-one time. It's like, <laughs> yeah, awesome. it's a very unique opportunity. Yeah. Um, anytime you can pick someone's brain like that, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. And so for people who might be like, okay, this is kind of sounding cool. And I'm kind of like halfway, you know, to stepping over that line and, and maybe getting assessed and addressing some of these areas myself um, to kind of ease some of, you know, those, those apprehensions they might be having that are a barrier for them to start or, or to go to get that assessment. Um, you know, was there anything for you that was like, just so crazy and intense? Or, you know, did you even have to do any internal work, anything like that, right? Not at the course, no. Um, the course I took was all external. Um, so there really wasn't anything that was too uncomfortable um, at all, because it was really just like looking at people's abs and their breathing. And, you know, you had your hands on the patient's, you know, stomach and stuff, but there was no internal work. So it really was not um, anything to be afraid of at all. I mean, it was no different than me really putting my hands on someone's knee if they were having knee pain. Um, and then, I mean, I personally decided to seek out a internal pelvic PT myself so I could learn what it was like for my patients to go through and also to pick up to see if there's anything else that I could help myself with lifting. Um, and, and to be honest, it really wasn't uh, scary at all um, or embarrassing or any of that. Like, she was super professional and the environment was really comfortable and obviously we're in a private room and, um, and I really learned a lot and, and I'm really glad I did it because now, you know, not only can I speak from experience when I'm talking to a patient about, you know, doing that, but also just learning more about myself as an athlete and a person, um, and realizing that it really wasn't anything to be embarrassed about or nervous about. Um, it was, it was, really, I don't know, comfortable, I guess, like, you know, the environment and the whole session, it wasn't bad. So there you have it, folks. <laughs> Nothing to be <laughs> afraid of. Go get assessed. Uh, check your stuff out. You might be leaving performance on the table, and there might be some other issues uh, that you don't have to live with anymore. So you heard it from <laughs> Lauren right there. <laughs> Nothing to be scared of. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about some of the, you know, obviously your typical hurt shoulder, hurt knee, but what do you typically treat uh, with all of your CrossFit athletes? What do you find is the most common anyway? Um, I would say shoulders are probably at the top. Um, I think just with the amount of overhead lifting and, um, and kipping motions, I think the shoulder is usually the first, first issue that people really have. Um, but at the same time, it's one of the easier things to treat because, you know, 99% of the time they don't actually have like a rotator cuff tear. Um, it's usually some sort of inflammation impingement imbalance and a little like one or two sessions and then really teaching them some better positions for their lifting and adding in usually some crossover symmetry work and, and they can get right back into things. Um, so I would say that's probably the most common. Um, and then I do see a lot of, uh, I would say like low back and hip. Um, I think that hip impingement, um, I see a lot of with squatting. Um, especially for people who don't have the right mobility to get into the position or core stability. Um, and that can even correlate into pelvic floor issues as well, causing hip pain. Um, so probably low back and hip would be second and then maybe knees third. Um, but then again, I mean, I do see some, some um, tennis elbow golfers elbow from all the grip stuff as people first start getting into CrossFit. <laughs> that pops up a lot. 
And then because I treat a lot of gymnasts, I see a lot of ankle sprains and knee issues as well as back. Yeah. So actually that's a good, uh, that's a good segue. segue. For us. So mm. your experience with gymnastics, um, did you find that when you first started CrossFit, some of the things were like, Oh, this is cool. Like you're asking me to do like a bar muscle up or you're asking me to do like handstand walking. I know how to do that. It's easy. Yep. Totally. And that's why I think I got hooked because the very first day I dropped into a CrossFit gym, um, you know, I was like on the pull-up rig and I was like, you know, they were telling me that I could kip the pull-ups and I was like, what do you mean kip? And they showed me and I was like, oh, that's like cheating pull-ups. <laughs> we climbed the rope and they said you could use your feet. And I was like, oh, it's like cheating rope climb. So everything I had ever done in gymnastics for 19 years was all very, you know, strict pull-ups and legless rope climbs from an L sit on the floor. And um, so everything, not only was it stuff that I was doing, but it was an easier version of what I had done my whole life. So, um, so yeah, there was a big chunk of CrossFit that was already super easy for me. And for most people, that's actually the harder stuff because they don't have a background in gymnastics. So it was kind of a cool feeling to walk in and automatically be really good at something. Um, not that I was good at everything because I had plenty of weaknesses <laughs> within CrossFit, but, um, I think the, the owner of the gym is kind of like, wow, okay. A, a girl just walked in and can bust out, you know, 10 or 15 pull-ups in a row. Like, you know, let's, let's get her to join the gym. So. Yeah. Um, are you sure this is your first day and I think oh that's why gosh. like when you look at a lot of the CrossFit Games athletes a lot of them were former gymnasts because you know you don't have to teach us all that stuff um right we already have that in our background yeah so um we just recently well I think we have one more class worth of it but yeah seven weeks worth did like an adult gymnastics program and <laughs> oh, cool. um it was kind of like a trial program for the island here because uh, the director of it wasn't sure how much interest there actually would be. So, mm-hmm. And then we kind of ended up with a mixed bag of physical abilities and skills. So she kind of did her best to, to allow everybody to have some kind of challenge. Um, mm-hmm. But at any rate, we both ended up practicing a lot of like tumbling, rolling, handstand walking, handstand push-ups, bar work, stuff like that. And so... I've never been able to handstand walk without like some kind of catastrophic like back flop onto the floor <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, or just, you know, you go back down to your feet or whatever. So I could, wasn't able to find that balance really well. And in the last five, six weeks here, just from that little bit of extra practice we've been doing and some of the drills she gave us, I've been able to walk. I can do like 20 or 30 feet now, I would That's, say. Oh, wow. I mean, fairly consistently, which is for me is awesome. Um, Lex working on it too. And for her, just holding like a neutral handstand type position oh, yeah. was very difficult without like mm-hmm. the wall or something to support her feet. And now she's able to kind of free handstand most of the time. So both of us noticed a significant improvement in that just with a little bit of gymnastics training. So I can't imagine coming from a gymnastics background since like, what age did you start at Lauren? Uh, I started at the age of two with like a, you know, like a mommy and me type class. So yeah, That's pretty, like, literally my whole life. <laughs> So we, some of the stuff they have you do, I mean, it is hard. And I used to, I, I watched the Olympics, who doesn't? And mm. I always looked at the gymnasts and I'm like, damn, they look really strong. And when you get to, I mean, even our conditioning circuits at the end, I'm like, oh my God, I thought I knew how to do all of this stuff. And I thought it wasn't that bad. And then we do it a, a minute of it. Like, holy right. God, this is a lot. But um, it's every, like you said, the legless rope climbs, it just, the strength <laughs> if you ever go to an adult gymnastics class just for anybody listening and they have this gigantic foam crash pad that they usually use for people landing on and then they ask you to do jumps like knee, like high jump knee tucks type things on there for any <laughs> length of time 
it is going to suck. <laughs> so yeah, have you, ever, have you ever done those? You oh, like, yeah. It's like the, the crash pad. Yeah, it's crazy. Lauren's it's laughing. so like, hard. That was hard when I was two years old. I've been doing this forever. Um, yeah. Let's see here. I mean, what is, if you had to give, you know, CrossFit athletes listening any piece of advice, what would you say that would be? Um, I mean, I, totally I guess a couple of things. I mean, <laughs> if you're looking, I know, right? Well, like, you know, part of me says, would think that it'd be great to get a one-on-one evaluation done. Like, even if you're not in pain, come see a physical therapist and get your movement yes. screens, get your, you know, squat and your overhead squat and, and your range of motion looked at and your strength, because there's a lot of pieces that can be missing that you might not have any pain or injuries yet. Um, but that can really adding in a couple of simple things can make a huge difference in either preventing an injury or perfecting and improving your performance too. Um, so I think an individualized evaluation from an injury and a performance standpoint is so valuable. You know, even just a one-time session, um, you don't have to commit to like eight weeks of physical therapy or anything, but um, a movement assessment screening, I think is so helpful for every single person within CrossFit or any sport really. Um, but then I guess like just general, if you're not going to go in and see a PT would just be accessory work. Um, I think the most, the people who get injured the most that I see are people who walk in at like, you know, 4.59 for a five o'clock class and they walk out (laughs) at 6.01, you know? And I mean, I know that's how CrossFit's designed. It's like you get a crazy intense workout and burn a lot of calories in that one hour. And it is just one hour of your day, but CrossFit is a lot of big muscle groups and a lot of big movements. Um, so CrossFitters are really strong um, when you test them in certain positions, but then, you know, you can put them in sideline and, and, you know, hip abduction and, and test their glute need. And all of a sudden they can't hold it against like one fingertip worth of pressure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's like finding things out like that. And you're like, Whoa. So just implementing some extra core work, some shoulder stability work, some mobility work, um, can go a long way in preventing injuries and, again, kind of getting you into better positions, um, especially if you have problems like getting full depth on a squat or full overhead range of motion. Like, just put a little bit of work in every day, you know, before or after class on on those weak areas because um, a little bit can go a long way, um, especially if you're just, like, finishing across a workout and hopping in your car and, then, you know, sitting on the couch <laughs> or going to bed. It's just like, you know, your quads are going to turn into rocks and then you're going to have knee pain because you can't bend your knee all the way because your quads are so tight. So, um, but yeah, I think that's like the biggest piece and it is something that people will have to put in their own time um, and do a little bit of research on what is best for them to do. Um, Because yeah, sure, you might do a quick cool down at the end of class together, but that's not usually um, quite enough, you know, to get all that in in the hour class. So uh, proper warm up and a little bit of accessory work can go a long way. Which speaking of time, right? So it goes back to get assessed, right? So you're saying like, even if you're Mm -hmm. not going to get assessed, do all this stuff, you might need to do some research to find out what's best for you and what like you need to actually physically address. But if you got assessed, then you're going to know that, right? So for efficiency of time, um, maybe you don't have 20, 30 minutes to do, you know, accessory work outside of class, but you have 10 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of trying to work on generically a ton of things that you researched, you're like, okay, these things seem to be good that a lot of people are doing. Let's do this. This is my accessory work. And you spend 20, 30 minutes a day. What is the time value to you if you just knew specific areas that, you know, you were personally a little bit um, lacking in and needed to address? Uh, after you'd been assessed by somebody who kind of can can look at those things for you so 
kind yeah. of goes back to your okay. original point on just get assessed, right? Yeah, um, totally. CrossFit wise, I think uh, the accessory things are invaluable. I agree wholeheartedly with Lauren because it's usually a double limb sport, and mm. so there's not really any unilateral training for the most part, except for maybe like box step ups and step overs, some, some lunges. lunges here and there, uh, and obviously like a split jerk type position too, but with few exceptions it's mostly both legs both arms um so you never really get the one side working while the other side's doing less so that you can even yeah. out left and right and also um as you were saying you know person laying on their side trying to do hip abduction or lift your like up and back for anybody listening um with some of your your glute muscles there they can't even hold it against finger pressure so that would be like frontal plane or that kind of left right movement um and also horizontal plane or twisting rotating stuff there's not too much of that crossfit i feel like is sagittal plane dominant um mm-hmm. and so that's where the accessories really kick in and can help you out and then getting assessed helps you determine which of those things you really need to focus on most so yeah excellent advice lauren especially being put on the spot <laughs> i know sorry about that <laughs> you know we have a lot of really good information do you want to leave anybody with anything else yeah no i, w- I would just say if, you know if there's anything bothering you don't hesitate to come in sooner rather than later. Like it's never going to be a waste of your time to come in and see a physical therapist. Um, Cause the very least you leave there kind of with a better idea of, Hey, you know what? You don't have to be too scared. And that is something you can you know, keep working through or um, Hey, maybe you should go see a doctor for that. Cause that is something that's concerning or here's some exercises and stretches that you should add into your routine. I mean, you're going to leave that session feeling better physically and mentally and with a plan and I just think in today's busy world, everyone having a plan is just, you know, really important because people can get lost and the internet has all these crazy things. And there's so many people on Instagram now telling you exactly what's wrong if you have this symptom and this is how you fix it. And it's like, you know what, like, what do you trust? Go, you know, find a physical therapist that um, has the same kind of lifestyle and goals as you and, you know, just go in and have a chat. Hey, say, hey, you know, how can you help me be a better athlete, stay healthy or fix this problem? And um, you know, you really won't be uh, disappointed. I think it's just huge for everyone to have that person, even in their back pocket. Like I always say, like, hey, you know, maybe I won't see you for six months, but when you, you know, tweak something, don't hesitate to call me right away because now we have that relationship and I can help you get better, you know, right away instead of having something linger for maybe eight weeks that could get better in eight days. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, thank you very much, Lauren. We appreciate you being on the podcast with us. Um, is there some contact information that you would like to leave for folks in case they had questions for you or wanted to get some help from you? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, Instagram is a great way to get a hold of me if you want to DM me there. I'm at SportsFit Physical Therapy. Um, I also, my website is sportsfitptandfitness.com. Um, I've got my phone number, email address, all my contact information for my clinic right on there as well. Um, so either of those are, are great ways to get a hold of me if anybody um, wants to reach out, has any questions, or wants to come in and make an appointment. Perfect. Well, thanks for you know coming on the podcast, sharing all of the knowledge. Um, and thank you, everyone else, for listening. Um, don't hesitate to reach out to Lauren if you want to meet with her or learn from her. She's, she's great to talk to. Uh, and thank you so much. Thank you, guys.